of you who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. It's one of my favorite verses that whatever you're carrying, that you don't have to carry it. And there's great freedom in that. So what I want you to do right now is whatever you're carrying around in your life, you just say, hey, Lord, would you carry this with me? And you know what it is because it's coming to your head right now as I'm saying it. So whatever it is, just give it to God. God wants to carry that. We carry burdens in life. We're not designed to carry God wants us to trust him. He carries the load, the things that we face in our life. God says, will you trust me with that? It's like a trustee. So whatever you're holding on to, you're carrying right now, this is a moment to, to pause and pray and just say, Lord, I, I give you the things that I'm carrying around right now in my life. So let's do that together. Jesus, we give you all of our burdens, all of our, everything we carry around. Thank you, Father, that you, you walk with us carry the worries we have. You carry the concerns we have. You're with us through everything that we face in our life. We love you and we praise you and we worship you. We invite you here tonight to do a beautiful work in our hearts and in our lives. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name. We're going to um, we're going to have a moment to break here in just a second, but I just want to tell you guys a couple of cool things that are happening. Um, one, we have a guys, <clears throat> we have a guys mini church that meets here on Friday mornings at 9:30. You're welcome to come. We want you here. It meets for one hour. We read a chapter of the Bible and then we just say, "Hey, what's one thing God sent you through this? And what what's one thing that you need prayer for?" Also, this Wednesday at noon, Julie. Julie, put your hand up. Julie's going to start a women's mini church. Wednesdays at noon. Yeah. Okay. Very exciting. Julie, want to tell them a little, little bit about it? Um, <laughs> we don't like that. Sure, we're going to read the Bible. <laughs>
And so we just want to help you help you do that. A few more things that are important. We don't just opportunities. There's a group of us in December that's going to Bangladesh. We're going to install a water system there and plant a church. That's December 20th. Steve's going. I believe Kenny's going. Yeah. Sam's going. It's not he's not here. He's up. We'll be here in a little bit. That group meets one Tuesday a month. There's also a group of us going to El Salvador in July. There's also a group of us going to to, to uh, help the church that we've started there. There's also a group of us that's going to Indonesia to partner with Camp Nui to install a water system there to plant a church in Indonesia. So what I want you to what I want you to hear is this: if you'll just show up on Tuesdays at five o'clock from now on, that's when we have our team meetings, mm-hmm. and you can you can decide. God's put it on my heart to go to Bangladesh. Good, we can help you go there. God's put it on my heart to go to El Salvador. Good, we can help you go there. God's put it on my heart to go to Indonesia. Great, we're going to go there. Just this last Saturday, we Maria and I drove up to Whittier. Our friend, our friend Joey started a new church called Connection House. They're going to be in our collective. They're going to be leading a trip to the Navajo Nation. Wow. There are 12,500 homes on the Navajo Nation that don't have any water. We're gonna put some systems in those homes and help start. Get check this out. My buddy Joey started a church in his backyard. He had 53 people on Saturday night. He calls, he's calling a connection house. We're gonna partner with him. He's gonna go start connection house on the Navajo Nation. His grandfather is Navajo Indian. Wow. Powerful, powerful. if you just come on Tuesdays, we want to give you the tools you need to go and be a part of what God's doing in other places. Okay, so real quick, um, we want you to just take a quick break to use the bathroom, grab tacos. We have plenty of tacos. If you're a kid, listen, if you're a kid, you're next door uh, at Bonsai Bowl. By the way, you're, you're next door and you're not like walking around in the middle of the message. We're trying to tighten that up just a, just a little bit, okay? So go ahead, take a minute. Please say hi to someone. We'll start Philippians chapter 1 in just a minute. Okay, great. And let's give our band a hand. Thanks, guys.
making disciples who plant churches that plant churches. Now that may seem confusing to you, but it isn't. I want to understand I want you to understand what it is that I'm saying when I'm, when I'm saying it. And what I mean when I say a disciple is someone who follows Jesus and then someone else who can teach someone else how to follow Jesus. And then somebody who can, who's following Jesus can go start a church. Uh, by the way, it's very easy to start a church like this. You need a space. You need some food. Coffee. You need some coffee. I need some coffee. And I'm glad that you get it because you're from Jordan. And who knows what the Lord has? Who knows? Never say never. So... <clears throat> This is Ahed. Ahed. This is Ahed. Everybody, give it up for Ahed. He's one heck of a bone player. Um, so, I want us to understand that this is easy to do. Now, God has put it on my heart that. People are gonna. A lot of people are gonna come here. And they're gonna see what we do here, and then they're gonna go out and do it. So it's very important for you to understand that 
we have a church every Tuesday night. It's called Ocean Water. Just so you know, we're here every Tuesday. Everybody, I get a text every week from people, are you here this Tuesday? So I just always want to say, we're here every Tuesday. And, but also, I, I hope and pray that people can come here and see this and then have the courage to go and do this. Now, why do I say that? Because there are 35,000 coffee shops like this in the United States. Did you know that? No. And by the way, these are one of the last places in America that everybody likes. So there's an advantage that we have. Let's go into the spaces and places that people already like and share the Lord. By the way, young people don't like church. Have you noticed? It's why they don't go. But young people have grown up in coffee shops. It's where everybody goes, gets a drink, hangs out. So, I want to teach you, but I also want to teach you. <laughs> so, Philippians is a book written by Paul. It was written on his second missionary journey. Paul the Apostle, after Jesus died, went on one missionary journey, went on two missionary journeys, went on three missionary journeys that we have record of in the New Testament. This one was written on his second missionary journey, and he's writing the book of Philippians to a church that he had started 11 years before. So if you think Ocean Waters knew, by the way, we started two years ago, but many of you would not be aware that we started two years ago because for eight months, it was myself and Adam and Bobby and a couple other guys that were meeting at 8 o'clock on Wednesday nights after the last workout at Fight Strong. Now, Fight Strong, for those of you who don't know, San Clemente is a mixed martial arts studio, dojo, boxing, every activity that you can learn of how to submit, dominate another human in the physical form <laughs> happens down there. And, and the, all the savages from San Clemente train down there. I'll just sort of leave it at that. And Adam, who also owns this, also owns Fight Strong, and we started a guys group there. And that was the beginning of Ocean Water. Because Jesus said, where two or three are gathered, I am there. So a church can start with two or three people, and then it can become something else, which it has, and that's a beautiful thing. And so God keeps... keeps so Paul has started this church in Philippi 11 years before he wrote this letter to them. And then the context with, that Paul wrote this letter is really interesting because Paul wrote this letter to this church in Philippi when Paul was in prison. And Paul was in prison for teaching about Jesus. So there's a little bit of context here of where Paul was writing, who he was writing to. Pick it up in verse 1. This is Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus to all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the first thing I want to point out here is the church does have overseers and deacons. Now, what does that mean? Well, it means people that feel the burden of responsibility to lead. This is less a title and more the burden of responsibility, and I want you to understand this. 
because we get hung up on titles and we run around saying, I want to be a deacon, and I want to be an overseer, and I want to be an elder. And that is not what this is talking about. Although people do have that role. This is people that feel the burden of responsibility for leadership. This does not mean there's a person in charge and there's a bunch of employees and all of this person, all of these employees report to this person. That's not what we're talking about. So I'll give you our collective example. What is our collective? Well, Ocean Water is both a church, it's also a collective of churches. What does that mean? Well, on Saturday night, I spent our time up in Whittier, my longtime friend, started church's backyard. It was awesome. <laughs> Amazing. We're going to be doing missions, and he asked me to serve on his advisory team. Now, does Joey work for Ryan? Nope. Does everyone at Connection House know who I am? Nope. Don't need to. On Friday night, do I get up in the middle of the night because I care about Joey and, and I know what it's like to start something and I'm praying for my friend and I feel that burden, that responsibility? Absolutely. Is Joey my employee? No, he is not. <laughs> I don't want him to be. <laughs> On Sunday night, when Steve leads waves, is Steve my employee? No, he is not. Is Steve going to be my employee? No, he's not. Steve's a grown man. Steve has his own church. We have a relationship. Every Sunday night, it does not matter where I am. Do I think about Steve? Is my heart with waves? Am I thinking about you and all the people in your life and praying for it? And sometimes I text, and most of the time I watch the message as you guys put it on. Yes, I do, because I feel that burden of responsibility. On Monday nights, when our friend Brad is up in Costa Mesa at Moon Goat Coffee, he's voted the best micro-roaster in Orange County last year. They got amazing coffee. Our friend, I think, I think what? I don't know. Or oh, it would be this place next year. Yeah. I don't know. You may want to tell OCM Anthony. They, they, they missed that so far. But our friend Brad has started a church there. Every Monday night, I'm overwhelmed and concerned with the burden. You see, you see what I'm saying here? It's not a role. It's a responsibility. In our culture, we like roles. We like hierarchies. And that's not what this is talking about. In fact, I would say this. The invitation to spiritual leadership is the invitation to the burden of responsibility. What does that mean? It means that the people that God puts in your life, they never go away out of your heart. You think about them all the time. You pray for them all the time. You care for them all the time. They're always on your mind. And that is what Paul is talking about. Paul had a special relationship with the church in Philippi. It's the only one of his epistles where the word sin is not used. Now, all of other, all of his other epistles, <laughs> Paul has massive problems in the church. By the way, people think that churches and collectives of churches and networks of churches are like super fun. They are. You get to see God do amazing things and beautiful things and wonderful things. And they're also very messy because they were very messy for Paul. 
You look at Corinthians, a mess. Look at Galatia, a mess. Ephesus, a mess. But we get to Philippi, and Philippi is a little bit, I saw Adam slip in the back. Philippi is a little bit like hanging out with Adam Watts. It's just always a good time. And Adam, by the way, where's he at? Are you back there, Adam? He's snacking out. He's snacking out. Okay, he worked all day, and now I'm calling him out in the middle of the message. But Adam is going to teach Philippians chapter 2 next Tuesday. Which I'm stoked. I am stoked to hear Adam teach. I can't wait. I can't wait to hear a world champion black belt in jiu-jitsu's take on Philippians chapter 2. It is going to be it is going to be epic. I can't wait. So a little bit of the relationship. Okay, let's get into it now. Look at verse 3. I thank my God every time I remember you and all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Let me just stop right there. Verse 5. So they were partners with Paul in the gospel. Partnership means a few things. A partnership is when you eat with people. A partnership is when you fellowship, you hang out with people. You have a relationship with people. And a partnership is also when you contribute to that partnership. They had they contributed and supported Paul's missionary journeys, both in prayer and in relationship and in giving. And in giving. One of the keys, one of the keys for radical growth is this. Radical personal responsibility for the Great Commission through radical generosity. That is like the black belt of spiritual of the spiritual life. The day you say, I'm going to be responsible for the Great Commission through radical generosity. That's the black belt. Lean into that. When that happens, grow radical growth happens. So we have to stay open-handed. Everything in our life isn't ours. Everything. I teach radical generosity. Nothing in our life is ours. It all comes from God. Well, yeah, but God, yeah, but God gave you your brain. God gave you your parents. God allowed you to be born around here. God gave you your job. God gave you God gave us our clothes. God gave us everything that we have. So when we're open-handed, we say, hey, God gave me everything, then it changes your perspective about life. When you, when you say, God gave me everything, so then this then, then it allows the Lord to tell you, by the way, always say to God, hey God, what do you want me to do? All every day say, God, what do you want me to do? And God will tell you. God will tell you what to do. I don't even know you and I'm pointing you. That's good. I like it. God will tell you what to do. Well, I don't know what to do. God will tell you what to do. I trust that God will talk to you. Yeah, he will. Paul says that it is in verse 6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Aren't you glad that God hasn't quit working in your life? Yes. Two. Me, right here. I am so glad that God has not quit working in my life. 
Thank you, Lord. I gave up on me before God gave up on me. Yeah, so God never gives up on people. Don't give up on yourself and don't give up on others. God's always at work, especially when it's the hardest. Yeah. And I know we have those things we carry. That's why I pray for that because I'm sensitive. You know, we have those things we carry around that we don't talk about. God will help you with that. God will help you. Paul says, it's right for me to feel this way about you since I have you in my heart. For whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you sharing God's grace with me, God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. Paul had an, Paul had an affectionate, close relationship. In fact, it's safe to say this was the church he was the closest to. Yeah, he felt. You ever just seen someone and every time you see them, they just make you smile. That's how I feel when I see Adam. Dude, it's impossible to hang out. It's impossible to hang out with Adam and Kurt Johnston and not be in a good mood. It's impossible. No one knows who Kurt is. That's fine. But those are the two of the happier humans I know. Such a good time. Look at verse 9. He says, And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. You see, we need our knowledge, we need our love to grow, and your love will grow when you look at people the way that you have a different perspective, you have a different insight. How much more of God's love do I need? Just a little bit more. <laughs> remember, remember, God always starts with our culture. The Bible says, you'll be my witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the other, the other, the other ends of the earth. So God always starts with our culture, what we like, and then he stretches you a little bit at a time. So God always starts with your culture, regardless of where you live, what language you speak, and what race you are. God always starts with your, your culture and moves you cross-cultural. So thank God for baby steps, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we don't have to do it. But i got to tell you, as your pastor, it's coming. It's coming. Because God always moves us cross-cultural because he's a cross-cultural God. That's what he does. That's what Paul's trying to model in Acts. Right? I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. I'm a Pharisee of Pharisees. God calls them to the Gentiles. Yeah, so that's what he's trying to do. Okay, so i got to speed it up here or we're going to be here all night. <laughs> Verse 10. So that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Look at what he says here, so that you will be able to discern what is best. Discernment lets you know what is best. You know, what's complicated is sometimes life's just full of a lot of good options. We don't need good options. We need God options. Discernment knocks an O out of there. Good to God. I don't want good ideas. I need God ideas. That's why I pray a lot. Good's not good enough. Not at my age. I need God to speed stuff up. Let's go. We got things to do. I'm tired of tripping. Literally, physically, spiritually. I'm tired of tripping. So we pray. God gives us the ideas. That's discernment. We all, we all should pray for discernment. God, show me what is your best. Not your good. Your best. Your best. That takes discernment. You have it. 
You have discernment. So trust the discernment that God's given you when it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Trust our discernment. Go with that. God will show us. God shows us. Verse 12, now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Everyone's wondering, why is Paul? Paul's going around on this missionary journey, and now he's in jail? That doesn't seem like that was part of God's plan. Well, sometimes God's plan doesn't always make sense to us. Sometimes God... Did someone just crash? No, I thought I was like, wow, someone's okay. They died out there. But... God, sometimes God's plan doesn't make sense. People wonder, well, why was Paul serving God and doing God's will, but ended up in prison? Well, God had a plan for Paul. He says, verse 13, as a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers of the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. Okay, so Paul goes to prison, and he ends up sharing the Lord with all of the um, people that work there. Yeah. Now, 13, as a result, it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ because of my chains... Most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. Look at verse 15. Is it true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill? The latter do so in love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. Verse 17. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in trains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached, and because of this, I rejoice. Now listen. Envy and jealousy is a real thing. But it's misplaced um, energy. And let me explain this. You see, we don't know that we don't know the assignments that God gives people. We just decide in our mind a certain set of results that we like and that we think should be rewarded because of our culture. And then we say that's special. Well, you don't know the assignment that God's given someone. Have you read the prophets lately? These dudes that God told them to go out in the desert and look at a cactus and pray? Well, in our culture, we would look at that guy and think, what a loser. Well, again, when envy, strife, we, we don't know the assignments that God's given people. All of that falls away when you realize we're all on the same team. When we get to heaven, we are all on the same team. Every church is on the same team. Every pastor is on the same team. Every other believer is on the same team. All we can do is try to do what God has asked us to do. That's it. That's it. That is why it is really ungodly 
to ever speak poorly of another church or another pastor. That's very ungodly. Very ungodly behavior. And I, I, I do not teach that under any set of circumstances. I hope to God I never do that. If I do that, you come and tell me, get remember that one time you said, you tell me, that's not okay. We're never to talk poorly about another believer. We're all on the same team. Loving one another, caring for one another, encouraging one another, trying to do the things that God has put on our heart together. Full of love, full of truth. Amen? Amen. Yeah. Okay, so. He says, yeah, uh, verse 19, for I, uh, yes, and I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I just want to stop right there. I, more than any time in my life, I can actually feel when people pray for me. I've never really gotten to this place, but I can actually feel when people pray for me. And I told a dude who texted me today at 7.30 in the morning that he had been praying for me. And my response was, you don't have to do this very long to figure out that it's actually other people's prayers that keeps this party going. <laughs> Literally. I can, I can feel it. So if you, and again, again, this gets back to assignments. If God tells someone to pray all the time and that person prays all the time, where does that show up in the results department? In our culture, we just like to point to results. Well, it turns out results aren't necessarily the way to measure the kingdom of God. All we can do is stay connected to God and do, do what he wants us to do. So if you pray for me, I want to thank you. If you've never told me you pray for me and you pray for me, I want to thank you. And if you pray for someone else other than me, I want to say thank you on behalf of them. <laughs> that is a beautiful thing. And it's giving people the unsaid strength that they need to be successful for the Lord. Every one of your, every one of your prayers helps someone when they're trying to serve the Lord. So let's all, let's all be praying for each other. Verse 20, I eagerly expect and hope, and I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now as always Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or death. For to me, one of the most powerful verses in the entire New Testament, right here, verse 21, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. For if I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to, to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain, and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you, again, your joy in Christ, Jesus, will overflow on account of me. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of of the gospel. So Paul says, well, it's okay if I die, it's okay if I live. If I die, I go to be with the Lord. If I live, I get to encourage you and be here with all of you. Beautiful. Beautiful. That's the place of peace, isn't it? 
Heaven's awesome, and Earth is awesome because I'm here with you. That's what we call a balanced believer. Yeah. yeah. Do we have days where we long for heaven more? Yeah. Yeah. Do we have days where we long for people more? Yeah. It's called being human. You have permission to be human. Okay, but that's the balance that we feel in this life. I call that like a holy tension. The longing for heaven, the longing for loving the people around us. That's a beautiful thing. Beautiful thing. Then, I will come and see you, or only hear about you in my absence. I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed. <laughs> Gnarly. <laughs> but that you will be saved and that by God. Okay, so in life, you'll have opposition. Yeah, it's part of being on earth. You'll have people that root for you, and then you'll have people that root against you. That's just part of life. And I would say, I've learned some things. Don't ever respond to criticism. That's anything, if we learned anything last year, you don't need to respond to criticism. God keeps score. God keeps score. God will be your defender. Billy Graham said it best, when you get, uh, when you wrestle with a pig, you both get in the mud, but only one of you likes it. <laughs> Billy Graham is a pretty wise guy. And that's the only Billy Graham quote that I know. So, there you go. You heard it. Okay? Yeah, so we don't have to respond to criticism. We, we can let the Lord be our defender. And I have found God does quite a good job. Yeah. Let's wrap this up here. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for him, since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now here that I still have. So, it says here uh, that we are not only going to believe on him, but we will also suffer for him. So there will be times, there will be times in our life when we suffer. Now, there's a verse I learned recently, and it said, um, "No, it's Hebrews 12:11. It says, no discipline is pleasant at the time, but painful." Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who've been trained by it. Now, when it says that no discipline is pleasant at the time, but painful, that word painful there, it actually is the word grief. And that's one of the words where we get our word loss from. So sometimes in life, we experience loss. We experience grief. What I want you to know is that loss and grief are a part of life. And I also want to let you know that we do not do a very good job teaching people about loss and grief. Because we live in a culture that's so over, we're in such an overcomer culture and such an overcomer mentality and such an entrepreneur mentality. Those things are beautiful, by the way. By the way, be an overcomer. Be a entrepreneur. 
have that mentality of resilience and perseverance. What I'm saying to you is this. Also leave room in there. We do experience loss. And we do experience grief. And sometimes the loss and the grief, it doesn't go away. There are some things we just live with. And I want you to know that is okay. That's also part of being fully human. Part of being fully human is we can live with victory and loss simultaneously. Yeah, and God will help us to do that. Okay, so thank you for letting me teach you Philippians chapter 1. The reason why we teach this on Tuesday nights is because one of the things I want you to teach you, I want to teach you to take the Bible seriously. That's why we teach it. And also so that so that you'll then take that into your life and then you'll then read it and say, God, what do you want me to do? How do you want to talk to me each and every day? So we try to model that by how we teach. That's following Jesus. Following Jesus is taking his word seriously and then trying to do what it's saying to us. So I want you to think tonight, we're going to... Um, Pray here in just a moment to pray. Give us a chance to pray together, and we're going to worship a bunch more like we always do. I can't wait. I'm ready. And But I want you to think tonight, what is, what is one thing that God talked to me about tonight? Now, the beauty of teaching the Bible is that when, when you teach the Bible, the Holy Spirit is going to put something on each of your hearts. That he wanted to say to you tonight because it's God's word. And next week when you come and Adam teaches, God is going to talk to you. God is going to talk to you through Adam. And next week when Adam teaches, I want you to say, God, what, did you, what were you trying to say to me tonight through your word? Because every time the word is open, God is trying to talk to us. Mm-hmm. If we'll just have the ears to hear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The Bible says, him who has ears to hear, let him hear. So think about that right now, and let's bow our heads, let's close our eyes, let's have a chance to pray together. Think about your life for a moment. Okay. No one looking around. Okay, who has who has a burden? They need to give to God. Put your hand up. Great. Okay, great. Great for you. Awesome. Okay. All right. Good. Lord, we lift up our burdens to you. We give them to you again. Let's just say this, 
Everybody, let's say this together. We just say, Dear Lord, Dear Lord I thank you that you love me, that you have a plan for me, that you brought me here tonight to remind me that you love me and you care for me. I ask you to come into my heart to take away everything I've ever done wrong, to take away all my sin, and to put your spirit in my heart and make me a new person. Give me a new life. Help me to walk with you. Thank you that you love me. Thank you that you brought me here tonight. Thank you that you're in my life. Help me to walk with you every day. Beginning today. In Jesus' name.
So he gave me funds, and he said, thank you for serving faithfully. Thank you for fighting the good fight of faith. Thank you for, for continuing to go no matter how hard it gets. And then he told me this. He said, seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. But in my mind, I was getting so caught on the word seek. Like when I think of seek, I think there's something to find. You know, there's something that's hiding from me. And I just want to tell you guys, we we have the the the, uh, the joy of seeking the Lord, right? Seeking His face, especially when it gets hard. But I want to remind you that the kingdom of God is seeking you more than than you have to seek the kingdom. We have to realize that that kingdom is right at our heart's door. It's right at our gates. It's right. It's ready for us. So when we think of seek, literally just turn the doorknob and it'll be open. Yeah. That's it. And all these things will be added to you. When the kingdom is right here and it's ready. Open the, open the doors of your heart. It's ready for you. So I just want to remind you, I want you guys to step into that place where you're where you're seeking, when you're really doing is opening. So open your heart. Be a new creation. Be a new person. Jesus has so much mercy and so much love that's ready for you. And it's hard for me to believe this sometimes, but it is so real. And like, I don't know what May is going to look like, but I know that I know what God looks like. Yes. I know that he, he looks like an awesome God. I know that he looks like a gracious and loving God. And he's got compassion in his face when I look at him. Yes. So I just want you guys to know, no matter how hard it gets, and like, like, like Ryan said, when we're walking like this, what do we really have to lose? We don't lose anything, but we gain everything. So I just want us to step into that. I want us to think about that as we worship. It's that same love and that same hope is available for us today. <clears throat>
Say 